Good morning. It is good that you could be at Central Church of the Nazarene today as we're wrapping up our holidays series. It may be that you're still in town from celebrating uh, uh, the holidays and Christmas and, and all the rest. Maybe some of you folks are, are getting ready to take off or leave. I'm glad that my boys are both here today. They don't get to hear me preach very often, and they're in town this weekend. We've been looking at, at Christmas through the eyes of Joseph, Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And, and Joseph really has relatively little ink in the Bible, if you want to put it that way. He's only mentioned in 18 verses. He's never quoted, not even once. Most of his story is told in the gospel according to Matthew. Mark doesn't even mention him at all. And neither does the book of Acts or any of the epistles. And so we don't know a whole, whole lot about Joseph. What we do know is he was a carpenter. He was poor. He was from that podunk uh, a village called Nazareth. That's about all we, all we know. The Bible tells us that he was a righteous man. Some versions say that he was a faithful man. We know that he was pledged to be married to Mary and was planning on divorcing her quietly until an angel came and, and in his dream told him that what Mary had told him about having, being, expecting a child and being conceived of the, of the Holy Spirit was true and that he could take her on as his wife. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Instead of whisking off to some sweet, beautiful honeymoon place like in Cancun or something like that, they had a nine-day journey to Bethlehem. And if you were here on the Christmas Eve service, you know that we celebrated that night that, that Jesus was born when the angels all proclaimed and we proclaimed as well what a beautiful night and that Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And so we, we left off the story there and today we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 2. And telling the story of Jesus. Matthew 2 is a story where, where we learn about the wise men from the east who follow the star, who come to Jesus, and give him the golden frankincense and myrrh. I guess if you want someone to blame for your credit card bills or your too, too much gift-giving season, I guess you can blame the, the, the wise men. They're the ones who started this whole, whole business. I did hear about one mom who was complaining a little bit about her Christmas gifts that she received. It seems that her son, she had three sons... And they were all very, very wealthy, but they were also very, very competitive. They'd always been competitive, and then as they were adults and they had a lot of money, they were very competitive, and they all wanted to give their mom the very best gift of all. And so after Christmas, they were sharing with one another what they gave their mom, and the one son said, said oh, I bought, I bought mom a brand new house. It's a beautiful house. She, it's huge, and it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and, and you, you boys can't top that. And the second son said, well, I think I did. I said, he said, you know how mom, she doesn't like to, to drive very much anymore, so I bought her the best Mercedes-Benz money can buy. Not only that, I got her a driver. She'll never have to drive at all. I've paid for a driver for her to drive her anywhere she wants to go. And the third brother says, no, fellas, I got you all beat. You know how mom loves the Bible. Can't read anymore. Her eyes are getting bad. She doesn't know how to use a computer. So I got her a parrot, a one-of-a-kind parrot that can quote Scripture. In fact, you can, you can tell it uh, chapter and verse, and this parrot can, can quote the scripture chapter and verse. It took 12 years to train this parrot. There is no other parrot like it in the world. This is a perfect gift for mom. Well, afterwards, the mom sent thank yous to her boys, to Milton, the firstborn. She said, the house you built for me is so huge, I only live in one room but have to clean the whole house. It's killing me to keep this place tidy. To Gerald, the second born, she wrote, 
I'm too old to travel. I stay home most of the time. I rarely get in that Mercedes Benz. Besides, the driver is rude. And finally, to her third son, dearest Donald, you're such a good boy. You have the good sense to know exactly what your mother would really enjoy. That chicken was delicious. That's just stupid. I'm sorry for that. That has absolutely nothing to do with the wise men. They brought three gifts. I don't know that they were competing over those gifts. I gave him myrrh. No, I gave him gold. I don't know that that was really a conversation they had. We don't know really a whole lot about the wise men. Uh, uh, We sometimes refer to them as the Magi. There's a lot of mystery surrounding them. We know they were from the east. That doesn't mean Boston. Probably, probably that means Persia. Uh, We don't know for sure. No archaeologist has found their passport, but that's probably where they're from. They're, they're refer, we refer to them as magi, wise men. Even there's a song, We Three Kings. I'm not sure that they were kings. Uh, most people think they were either scientists or astrologers. It could have been. Some call them magicians. That's where the word magic comes from, is from magi. I'm not sure that it's magicians like we think of it. Here's gold, here's frankincense. Mary, pick a card, any card. I don't think that was it. Um, uh, probably, probably, very possibly, they could have been uh, followers of the which was big in Persia at that time, the Zoroastrian religion. Zoroastrian, what kind of religion is that, you ask? Zoroastrians believed in God. They believed in a good, all-powerful God. They believed, and they, and they studied the stars. So it's very likely that they were Zoroastrians. And if they were Zoroastrians, it just makes sense that they would follow a star, and it makes sense that, that God Almighty would include them in the birth of Jesus, to include these foreigners, to include these, these ones who weren't even the, 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 the same religion, to say that Jesus' birth is bigger than any nationality, Jesus' birth is bigger than any religion, that Jesus Christ came for everyone, all people. He is the Savior of the world. Makes sense. So these magi, we don't know, we don't know so much about, we don't know exactly how they got to Israel, what their mode of transportation was. Probably in your nativity set, there's a camel. The Bible never says that they traveled on camels. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We don't know how many even. I know we always think of them as three, that they brought each one, brought gold or frankincense or myrrh. Maybe there was three. The Bible doesn't say that there was three. In the 7th century, they named the, 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 the wise men, Belshazzar, Melchor, Caspar. Again, there's no mention of any names in the Bible. We do know this. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we do know this. They followed a star to get to where Jesus was. And the Bible tells us this. After they heard from the king, King Herod, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So God placed a star in the sky. They followed it. They were not intimidated by time or distance or cost or travel or even crazy King Herod. They were determined that they were going to follow that star and follow the thing that God had placed in the sky. They weren't going to quit until they reached the, the, the destination. Can I tell you, I, I wish that would be the way we would be. That we keep our eyes on the prize, that we don't quit, that we are determined, that we are not going to lose sight of, of his guidance, that we take a whatever-it-takes mentality. Imagine if we all did that in 2019. If we all said, said, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to take a whatever it takes mentality and I'm not going to take my eyes off of where God would have me to go and I'm going to follow him wherever he would lead. 
I think we'd all have a good 2019 if we did that. Well, again, remember, we're looking at this story, the Christmas story, through the eyes of Joseph. And as much as I'd like to really hang out with the the wise men, there's more to the story than that. And so I'm going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2. This is what Matthew writes in verse 12. After having been warned in a dream, the wise men being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. He said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what is said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who were taking the who were trying to take the child's life, are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, the place, uh, in place of his father, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what had been said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. All right, may God bless the reading of his word. This really is the tale of two dads. Joseph and Herod. We've been talking all season about Joseph. He was poor. He was a carpenter. He, he, he was from Nazareth. He, he was pledged to be married. We know all of that. But what do you know about Herod? Do you know that Herod wasn't even Jewish? He was an Edomite. It meant that he was from the nation of Edom, which is directly south of Israel. Herod's dad, a guy by the, by the name of Antipater, had been named the king of the Jews by the Roman Senate and died in the year 40 B.C., The Senate then voted to have Antipater's son, Herod, to be the new king of the Jews. And he had reigned since then. He was 33 years old when when he he started uh, being the king of the Jews. And they liked Herod in Rome, all right. He, He provided them the taxes that they required. He kept the peace, relative peace. And and he didn't really seem to be bothered by, by any of the people around there. And Herod liked the idea of being a a king. He liked the idea of being a big fish in a little pond. He called himself Herod the Great. A little presumptuous, but that's what he called himself. I've tried to get Carla to refer to me as Rob the Great, and she hasn't done it yet, but maybe, maybe, maybe. Herod the Great built many buildings, named them after himself, built other cities, named them after Caesar and his friends. He built Caesarea, built Samaria, uh, most with slave labor, most very ruthlessly. Even by first century standards, Herod the Great was a ruthless, ruthless ruler and king. And so it goes without saying that the people of Judea were not very crazy about him. He, wasn't, uh, he was a foreigner from Edom. He wasn't a, a, a Jew. He, he, he was very ruthless, heavy-handed. All of their tax money went to his building projects to be named after himself. And we all know, as the story tells us, that he killed the babies around Bethlehem. That wasn't the only ones he killed. Herod was quite paranoid. 
And so he killed one of his wives, he killed three of his sons, he killed his own mother and mother-in-law, he killed an uncle, he killed hundreds if not thousands of others. Caesar Augustus said this about Herod. He said, it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. On one occasion, Caesar Augustus, trying to impress him, uh, uh, Herod built a big bronze uh, eagle and placed it outside of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, if you know your Old Testament, you know that the priests and the people of Jerusalem were, were mortified that there was this graven image in front of the temple. And so when they complained to Herod about that, said that that, that was no place, that it wasn't appropriate to have this, this image in front of the temple that people would have to bow down to before entering into the temple. Herod heard none of that. Wiped out a lot of, of priests and, and law-abiding citizens through that time. He was ruthless. He was terrible. He was paranoid. When Jesus was born, he was about 70 years old. Now, I used to think that 70 years old was old, but the older I get, it's not as old as I used to think. My brother-in-law turned 70 this year, and to celebrate it, he ran a marathon, a full marathon, uh, 26 miles. When I turn 70, I'm pretty convinced that I am not going to be doing that. But Herod, he's 70 when Jesus is born, about 70. And he's paranoid. He's getting more and more suspicious. After making a lifetime of enemies, I've already told you, he killed prominent family members. Anyone who seemed that might usurp his authority or take over his throne, he, he, he wiped out. And so he wasn't someone you messed with. And when he heard the talk on the streets of Jerusalem that there were foreigners in town asking questions about a new king, he went berserk. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was, was disturbed by this news. The King James Version says he was troubled. The Greek word really means uh, that his innards were all jumbled, would be the the most correct uh, uh, translation. It means his stomach was tied up in knots. That's what we would say. He was completely obsessed with this one that the the talk on the streets were. And the Bible tells us that all of Jerusalem was, was troubled too. And it's no wonder. They knew what happened when Herod became troubled. You know, more arrests, more bloodshed, more missing relatives, more violence, all the rest. So Herod goes to the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish council, to find out where this child was supposed to be born. They told him Bethlehem. He went back. The Bible says that he went back secretly to the, to the Magi. Why did he go back secretly? I have no idea. He's the king. He can do what he wants. But, but, the, but Matthew makes a point to say that he did it in secret. And so he says, listen, fellas, I want to worship the kid too. So when you find him, come back, tell me, and I'll go and worship him too. He must have taken the wise men for fools. For anybody who knows anything about anything knows that a king will not bow down to another king, especially one with a reputation like Herod's. And so, as you know the story, the wise men go off. They, they, they tell Herod what, they, what he wants to hear. You bet, we'll be back. Of course, they never did. They went, they found Jesus, they gave him the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they avoided Herod like the plague on their way back home. When Herod discovered he'd been duped, that's when he responds in the tyrant fashion that we we know. He killed the babies. How many babies did he kill in Bethlehem? We don't know. But even one baby would be too many. And so again, we're reminded through this story over and over of what we've seen over the last several weeks that this Christmas story is filled with heartache. It's filled with trouble. It's filled with, with, with problems and brokenness. And Herod, in in light of his madness, it certainly exposes all of that. 
Joseph, as you know, has a dream, tells him to go to Egypt. And that's exactly what they do. All right, well, how does all of this affect us? Most of you, you seem pretty nice. You're not tyrants. You're, you're not uh, 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 like Herod. What can we learn from Herod and Joseph, the tale of these two, two dads? Well, obviously, there are many, many differences between Joseph and Herod. Joseph was poor. Herod was rich. Joseph had no influence, no power. Herod had very much power, very much influence. Joseph was Jewish. Uh, Herod was an Edomite. The Bible tells us that Joseph was righteous, faithful. No one would have accused Herod of that. Uh, both men, both men also, one similarity, they had children. Now we know Jesus was, was, Joseph was Jesus' earthly father, but he had more children following that. We're also told of, of at least one of Herod's children. I told you he killed three of his sons. But Matthew writes about one, other one, and this is what he says. So he got up, took the child and his mother, went off, uh, and, and went to, to Israel. This is when, when Joseph is going back. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and then went to live in the town of Nazareth. Archelaus, Herod's son. Archelaus is just as horrible, just as ruthless as Herod had been. Well, so, so what is that? Listen, moms and dads, we influence our children the most. It's not the, the pastor, it's not the youth pastor, not the children's pastor that influences the most. It's mom and dad, for good or for bad. It's the parents that influence their ki- children the most. And the big question, I guess, then is, what are you teaching them? Are you teaching them to love? Are you teaching them to respect others? Are you teaching them to be kind to their neighbor, to love their neighbor, to love God? You see, you see, I've seen it happen on both sides. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad. And, and often the children will follow in their, in their mom and dad's footsteps. Electrician's son or daughter becomes electrician. Doctor's son or daughter becomes a, a doctor. A plumber's son or daughter becomes a plumber. Pastor's sons, well, they work for a computer company, but that's a whole other story. It's okay. But you've seen it on the bad side as well, Right? How often an alcoholic son's or daughter's become alcoholics, or a drug addict's son or daughter becomes drug addicts, a thief's son or daughter becomes a thief. Gives sense to what Solomon said in Proverbs 14, a prudent man gives thought to his steps. If our kids are going to be following in our steps, we would be wise to give thought to our steps. Are we walking down a path that we want our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, even if you don't have kids, are you walking down a path that you want others to follow? You see, it's very, very easy. Our kids are smart, and and they pick up on things. And it's impossible to tell your children or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews that God is number one in your life and then not show in your actions that God is number one in your life. It's impossible to, to, to tell your kids that God is number one in my life and they never see you reading your Bible. Or to tell them God is number one in your life and they never see you praying. God is number one in your life, but they never see you serving, never see you, 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 you writing out a tithe check, never see you caring for your neighbor, never see you helping out a widow or an orphan or anyone else. See, our kids will pick up on that. What we say, what we do are two different things. A father, mother greatly influences their children. Archelaus followed his daddy's footsteps, Herod's, and was just as ruthless, just as horrible, just as awful as his dad had been. 
It's no wonder that God Almighty chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. He was described as righteous. He was described as faithful. Now, again, we're not told a lot about Joseph. He's probably died before Jesus was born. But the little bit that we are shown of Joseph, when God spoke, he listened. He practiced what he preached. And the question is, are you doing the same? Are you giving thought to your steps? Clearly, another difference right along with that between Herod and Joseph is one listened to God, the other one didn't. Every time, every single time that God spoke to Joseph via a dream or any other way, Joseph obediently followed. Herod, we know that's not the case with him. There was all the lies and the treachery and the barbarism and the paranoia and the narcissism and all the rest. He cared about himself and only about himself. That's why he executed his own sons and his mother and a mother-in-law and all the rest. But in the end, just like everybody, all of his power, his influence, his wealth didn't help. One day he died. We're told he died. And, we, and, and just like you and I, one day we too will pass away. And we, we give thought to our steps. And the question is, when we, when we pass from this earth, have we lived a God-pleasing life? Listen, be the person that listens to God. Be the parent that listens to God. Be the grandparent, the, 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 the uncle or the aunt that listens to God. Joseph did that. He listened to God. He obeyed what he heard. It's not complicated. It's not, it's not really all that tough. You listen to God. You do what he says. And when we do that, when we live a God-pleasing life, then we can know, again, we can know that heaven will be our home. That's the goal. That's the promise. Herod, Herod, Herod had nothing to do with God. He too died. But I'm sure that his accommodations and Joseph's accommodations are two different places. Right along with that point, Herod and Joseph both left a legacy. One was a legacy of goodness, of righteousness, of faithfulness. The other was a legacy of evil and murder and paranoia and narcissism. Earlier in the service, you know, we showed all those people that passed away, all the loved ones that passed away. And Pastor John said 76, I think, or 73, I think there were 76, and then there's been three or four uh, since we printed that, that sheet. It's close to 80 folks from our church in relation to our church. And we listed all those. But you know, in 2018, a lot of famous people passed away. President George and Barbara Bush, and Senator John McCain, Aretha Franklin passed away, Anthony Bourdain passed away. If you're a comic book fan, uh, uh, like Pastor Enosh, Stan Lee passed away. Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit passed away. Playwright Neil Simon in 2018. Physicist Stephen Hawking. Sportscaster Keith Jackson. The most famous preacher of the 20th century, Billy Graham, died in 2018. None of those names were on our list. You know, the, 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 those were the, the names in the stories that were told on, on the news that led the broadcast of CNN or Fox News or, or whatever. But honestly, those, those, those famous people's passing didn't affect our lives not nearly as much as the not-so-famous people that were on, on the screens earlier today. And many of you knew, knew, you knew some of those, if not all of those people. And you knew some of, the, some of those you know very, very well. This year, our... Uh, I know the one I know personally the best was the first one from our church that passed away in 2018, my father-in-law. And he passed away on January 4th of 2018. 
And there's a picture of, of him there on the, on the screen. Um, that was six years ago. That picture was taken. Arling G. Lane was his name. The G didn't stand for anything. It just was, he just had a, no middle name, just a, a middle initial. And I used to tell him that really his first name wasn't much of a name. It was Arling. And so it's more of a sound than a name. And, you know, Pastor John, I'd never, I always told people that you'd never run into another Arling. And then Pastor John Livengood went to a family reunion, uh, him and Amber, and back in, I think in the 1800s or something, there was an Arling. And so there is another Arling, but it was an old name. And his name wasn't on any famous person list in 2018, just like your loved ones were. The evening news didn't broadcast his passing. He never was president of of the United States. He never sang in Carnegie Hall. He, He wasn't a famous sports figure or a famous actor or a playwright or a scientist or any of those things. He worked at a tool and die shop, Daisy Tool, in Hillsdale, Michigan. Worked there, I don't know, 40 years or so. He had a Christmas tree farm. That's it, you know. He, he wasn't Time Magazine's person of the, of the year, not even close. But he made a better list, a more important list, the list that counts, the list that matters. The Bible calls it the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, that's the book, that's the list that you want to be included on. See, Arling left our family a legacy of godliness, of goodness, of dedication, of hard work, of faithfulness. A lot of those, those names on the list, they did too. And you know them, and you, you remember them, and you, you know exactly how they influenced you. And quite frankly, that's what matters for all of us. Are we leaving a legacy of faithfulness, of righteousness? See, that's, that's really the legacy that Joseph left. We don't know how long he lived. Probably died sometime before Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry began. So maybe the 30 years or less. But he left a legacy of righteousness and faithfulness, a legacy to be followed. Again, Solomon said, consider your steps. So what kind of legacy are you leaving? If your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, the people that are watching your life, if they watch their, their, your life, would they see someone who is faithfully serving the Lord? And we pray, Lord, that we too would live a life pleasing unto you, that we too would consider our steps and say, I'm going to follow Jesus with everything I got. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. We're thankful for these that are going to be baptized. In Jesus' name, amen.